We're missing what Jesus came to do. We have to lead the way. We've got to be the first to go out and to change the society that we're in, not by hoping that somebody says the right thing, some athlete or some actor or some politician. Where's the church in all of these issues? Well, we need to be leading by example. Jesus saying, you first. Hello and welcome to the Pastor Mark and Michelle Davenport podcast. On today's podcast, Pastor Damian Wright speaks to us about being first. We have to learn that sometimes we want to say you first before we try something dangerous. But Pastor Damien is going to show us how Christ wants us to be first and wants the church to be first when leading the way. This morning when I want to talk about you first, we've got to be willing to be the vessels of God at whatever age. Whether you're 20 like my son or whether you're 80, 90, it doesn't matter. God wants to speak to us and there's two words today and it's you first. You see, I can go back. I remember when I was younger um, and, and playing outside, this time of year was always, we were at the creek. Y'all know that sounds country, but I'm a country boy. Uh, we riding four-wheelers. We were, we're always doing things. And I remember I was thinking about this, that, that sometimes we'd be at the creek and, and, and you know, it'd be my, uh, a pretty, pretty big jump off the bank. And, and we didn't really know if it was a deep hole or not. It just looked deep, you know. And, and so, you know, guys were just standing there and said, you know what, so uh, why don't, why don't uh, why don't we jump off of this? And he says, why don't you jump off of this, Damien, and, 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 and you see, and, and you do, it looks fun, don't it? And, and, and I know some of you that, that you're in situations like this, and you've got good friends like that, you know, that, that just want to see you succeed or fail, and you just have no idea. Then you got some that, that, that at a dinner or food is like, man, it looks really spicy. Why don't you try that and see how spicy it is? And, and some of you are like, I'm just a type, I'm going to jump. Or I'm the type, I'm going to grab the hot wings and see how hot it is. But me? I was the one that when they told me that, you know what I said? You first. That was me. You can call me chicken scared, whatever you want to do, but I was always saying that, and, and it brought me back. When I was reading this passage, and, and, and Jesus, when he was speaking to him, he, he, was, he was speaking to a group called the Pharisees, and he'd already silenced the Sadducees. I think how many drop-the-mic moments did Jesus have? And I know he didn't do it for that reason, but it, can you imagine being in those moments when Jesus was talking to people and when he can just shut up those who thought they knew everything? He had already dealt with the Sadducees. You can see that in the passage above. They were talking about the resurrection because they didn't believe in that, and, and Jesus just dropped the answer on them that only he could do, and it silenced them, and the Pharisees were like, oh, wow, dude, did you hear that? And so they got together, and they said, let's go test him now because they didn't like the Sadducees. And, and just in case you didn't know, I, w- I want to tell you just a little bit about these two groups. These, these two groups of people, in case you were wondering, Sadducee literally means the righteous. I want you to get this. Not bad people. But they named themselves the righteous, a religious party at the time of Christ among the Jews. In Psalms 14 and 53, we read that there is none righteous, not one. Now, they would have known this because these were the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders that knew the Old Testament, that, that lived the law, that breathed the law, and they knew what Scripture said. They would have known this, yet they deemed themselves righteous. Whose bright idea was it to come up with this name, Sadducees, calling themselves the righteous. And then you have the Pharisees, another group of, of Jewish leaders that understood the law, that knew the law, that quoted it, that lived it. They were there, and that word literally means set apart, separated. So you got two groups of people that's supposed to know God, 
that are supposed to love God, but yet they have separated themselves and feel like they're elite. The Sadducees felt that they were even greater, and, and the elite, and the Pharisees were set apart, but their attitude wasn't about be holy as God is holy. They wanted people to see them doing holy things so that they can be viewed as set apart, and they can be seen as greater than what they were. But both groups of these Jewish people, God's people, they knew the law. But they couldn't agree on the written Torah, the, the, the first five books of Moses. And, 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 and they couldn't even agree on the written or the oral Torah as absolute authority. They were separated over the same God. They were separated over the same subject. And we read this and we look at this and, and we think about these two groups of people and we begin to judge them. But hang on a second before we judge. Because if we come to today, Christ followers, which is the church, the body of Christ, we know the love and the salvation of Jesus. We know this, but how many denominations exist because we can't agree on the interpretation of the New Testament? Denominations is division. I read one time, and I could be completely off. I'm terrible with memorizing and knowing stats, but there's over 3,000 different denominations of the Christian movement. The same New Testament that we believe in, Jesus, we're separated over anything. Speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. Do we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or in Jesus' name only? There's, do, did the gifts of the Spirit stop with the apostles, or do we have it today? We have churches everywhere in LaGrange and in Griffin because we can't agree. We don't know it's the absolute authority of the same written word and spoken word of Jesus, the New Testament. These groups of people were separated. And I got to thinking about our, our, our issue today. Not only are we dealing with this pandemic, but we're dealing with this racism issue. And Pastor Michelle, I encourage you again to go back and listen to that message of how there is but one race, the human race. Racism is, racism is not about skin color. It's about superiority and inferiority. It's about those who make themselves elite and put themselves above and others inferior. That's what we're really dealing with. And when I read this for the first time, I thought, my goodness, Jesus was speaking to a bunch of racists. Not because of color, but because even in those who are supposed to know God, be careful, church, because we begin to put ourselves above others. You ever heard the term, ah, oh, we can't go do that. Those are Baptists. We, 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 can't, we can't mix and mingle with the Presbyterian or the Methodist. We begin to put ourselves above. Who's racist here? Not because of skin color, but Jesus was speaking to those who actually separated themselves and put them above others, and they were supposed to know God. We've got to be careful, and I didn't come to just bash this, but we've got to be aware of who Jesus was speaking to because I always thought it was another one of his sermons on, on the mount and, and talking to a mass group of people, but he was talking to one group at this point because he'd already silenced one because they kept testing him. But he was talking to one group, the Pharisees, who thought that they were above and knew the law backwards and forwards, and it's almost like Jesus was saying, you should know. You should know God, and I'm giving you the solution. Love God and love others. And he was saying, in, in, in my humble opinion, and the way I felt when I read this this time, you first. You got to lead. You got to be the ones to do this first. The church has got to be the ones to step out and to love God and to love others. All the things that are happening, all the issues out there, we're looking for the right people to say the right things. We are sitting at home and saying, Where, where's our leaders? What's our governor going to say? What's our pastor going to say? What, what, what are our teachers going to say? What about us? Jesus is saying, you first. So I just got just a, a few things this morning on this thought. What do we take from this? Love God, love others, our neighbor, you first. The first thing is reciprocation. 
to reciprocate the love that God has already shown us. I want you to look at 1 John 4, 13 through 16. 1 John 4, 13 through 16. It says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. The world, people, not just the Jewish people, but the world, Jews and Gentiles. There was the Jewish people, and there were Gentiles, everybody else. But God sent his son to save the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Then when you look down to verse 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. We reciprocate our love to him, not because we think we're doing something good. God has already loved us. He sent his son for us. And I can tell I'm getting older and older and older because I keep quoting older songs. Um, I was talking to, um, I got to see uh, one of our worship leaders from many years ago. She was the first one to put me on a piano stool and said, I want you to sit right here and I want you to sing. I was scared to death. Scared to death to sing, but she was our choir director, Ellen. and, And she put me there. And I remember what it was. It was lean on me. When you're not strong, it wasn't even a church song. She said, I just want you to sing because I heard you walking around singing it. And she tried to push me. And that was the beginning. If you want to blame anybody, blame Ellen. She, she, she put me on that piano stool and she started trying to push me to get me to sing. But I, I remember more and more old songs that I heard in church over and over and over again. And it brought me back to this one. You remember that old, old song? Says, oh, how I love Jesus. See, some of you know it. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, and this is the key, why? Because I got to thinking about that song, and I was singing it this week, and I thought, if my sons hear me singing, they're going to, what are you singing? We love him because he first loved us, and the scripture even tells us that. He desires our love. The Father desires our love for us to reciprocate our love to Him. He desires it. He deserves our love for what He did. He didn't have to send His Son, but He sent His Son because we messed it up way back in the garden. He he desired to be with Adam and Eve. He desired to walk with Him in the cool of the eve, but we just had to be about ourselves, and we sinned and we separate ourselves from Him. And ever since then, God has wanted us to be back with Him. He desires it, but He deserves it because of what He did to get us back to Him. He always deserves our love, but then He delights in our love. Listen to these scriptures. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Think about that. Think about yourself, not anybody else. He delighted in me. That's Psalms 18, 19. This is the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Get this picture. He will quiet you by his love. He will show triumphant joy over you with loud singing. Your God is joyful for you. He delights in you. That's in Zephaniah 3.17. And then in Psalm 147.11, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. He loves you so much. He deserves it. He desires it. But he delights in us when we love him reciprocate love to God, and by loving others, we also love Him. You see, we want to stop with just loving God, but when we love others, we love Him. In verse 21 of 1 John 4, it says, Whoever loves God must love his brother. Get that, church. 
We love to stay protected. We love to stay in our world. We love to stay in our four walls, which we haven't even been able to do over the past few months. Everything is changing. We must love others. Jesus said, too, love God with all your heart, soul, mind. The second is like it, love others. Love your neighbor. Reciprocate loving God and loving others. The second thing, this is a little bit longer than, than, than the first and the third, responsibility. Don't you hate that word? Don't you hate, didn't you hate when your parents said, you need to have more responsibility. I'm going to give you more responsibility. Responsibility is what we got to deal with. Love God, love others. You first. Jesus was saying it's responsibility. Loving God never really feels like responsibility. Not to me it doesn't. But it has to be a reminder sometimes because of our focus in our lives placing other people or other things before him. This is the reason Jesus emphasized it as the first of the commandments. Loving others does feel like a responsibility. Nobody say amen, nobody, nobody, nobody. But it can feel like a responsibility. It's not easy to love other people, is it? Don't say amen. It's just not easy. People are people. Imagine God, where he is, our father. Do you know how frustrated we get with our children from doing simple things or not doing simple things? Can you imagine how much God sometimes shakes his head at us, but he loves us unconditionally? Aren't you thankful for that? But it's not easy to love others. But Jesus wanted to make sure the most religious, those who deemed themselves elite, the Sadducees and the Pharisees who he was talking to, knew that they cannot love God without loving others. And there was one more point in that passage when you go back to it. He's looking at that lawyer, and he spoke to him directly. Just one person. He didn't even speak to the whole group. He spoke to one person. So this morning, you can hear the word for you and you alone. Jesus speaks to you and you alone, and it translates to everybody. Thank God it translates to all, but he was speaking to you and you alone, me and me alone. But he wanted them to know that they cannot love God without loving others. See, we're okay with coming in here and singing unto God. We're okay with coming in here and worshiping, lifting our hands and and, and say, you know what, I love God, I love God, and I believe all my heart that you do. But it does not stop there. It's our responsibility to love others. Because those who know God should know to love, should be willing to be the first to love others. If anyone should have known the love of God, even before Jesus, should have been those who claimed to know his word. Those guys he was talking to should have known the importance of loving others, but they were so in love with themselves, and they were keeping it to themselves. Yes, they knew that the Jewish people were God's people. They knew that. But there was something about them being his people. They had to know that God loved them. They knew Scripture. Yes, they quoted and they lived the law, but they knew the law existed because God loved his people. They knew that. Think about the things that you have taught your children over the years. Or maybe you have nieces and nephews and you pour into them. You do these things. Sometimes it doesn't feel good to tell them what they should do and what they shouldn't do. The law was given because God loved his people. They knew this. Why did it stop with them? Why do we think it stops with us? We come to know Jesus. We're thankful for his salvation. We're thankful for his redemptive work that he did. And and, and then it just stops with us. I'll go home. I'll keep it to myself. I'll come back to those who know Jesus and just live my life. It's our responsibility to love others. What they didn't realize is that right in front of them was the ultimate proof of his love. The one who was speaking to them was the proof of God loving others beyond just the Jewish people. They were speaking to Jesus who was the proof of God so loving the world that we read about 
He's on 3.16. He was right there in front of them. So until Jesus, these groups of religious people could say to God, okay, you first. Before Jesus, they say, you love others because we know that we're your people, God. So you first. But God showed them right then and there. Jesus, in the, God in the flesh, was right there, and it was showing them that I am first. I've always been first. Always have been first. And I'm first now that I do love others, and I'm showing you right here in front of you who Jesus is. But Jesus was the proof that God did love others first. And loving everyone, everyone, if we ever get in our minds or even in our hearts that we just got to pick a certain group of people, do you understand that we then become racist ourselves? I know that that seems like I'm using that term very loosely. I'm not. I'm telling you that we got to understand as a church there is one race, the human race, and we begin to separate ourselves not by skin color but by superiority, and we think we actor or some politician where's the church in all of these issues when we need to be leading by example jesus saying you first me first loving everyone the jews and the gentiles if you love god you should love others when you were reconciled to god by believing in the redemptive work of jesus and receiving the gift of salvation that he offered then through jesus then you are an ambassador you are a leader in this love story. You and I are leaders, just like the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were supposed to be leaders of God. They were supposed to be because they knew who God was. They knew what His law said. They knew the Scripture, but they were missing it because they put it about themselves. Jesus was talking to leaders when He gave these two commandments. We want to hire this loving others thing out. We want to staff it out, really. Uh, we we want to pay pastors to do the loving of others. We'll just love God, and we'll pay you, Pastor Mark and Michelle, to love others. I just can't handle it. I can't handle people. Damien, you, you're an associate pastor, so you, you, you're supposed to care for people. I can't deal with them. You do it. That's what we pay you to do. So we, we want to hire that thing out. We want to create programs in our churches. And don't get me wrong, I've been a part of the church my whole life. I'm not saying anything that I don't know and haven't experienced but you know we do this thing we, we, we have an outreach program why do we have an outreach program because we want to outsource it we want we want to get it out with the church the people of the local body will come up to us and they'll say you know what are you doing for outreach you know what, what do you do to help people in the community or, or what do you do to feed those who are hungry or to clothe the naked. What do you do? I, I might give to it, but just let me know what you do. You see, I'm, I'm a lover of God. I, I love Jesus, but, but you know, what's, your, what's our outreach program? Oh, my goodness. This, this past week, I was reading, believe it or not, the evangelism, the Church of God publication evangelism. Yes, I read it sometimes, and I just check out what's in there. I can't believe it, but I'm reading it. It's good, by the way. Church of God, it's great. I was reading it, and I got something from it, and I said, praise God, I can use this because I, I never saw it this way. And in the evangelism, when I was reading, the author said, he heard a pastor say one time, you are the outreach program. You are the outreach program. We don't have to create anything here. And then during the week while you work your job and you go home and you come and worship on Sunday, you are the outreach program. And I thought, my goodness, this needs to be blasted everywhere. The article says, recently study revealed that nearly two-thirds of believers said it was a relative, a friend, or a co-worker who led them to Christ, not an outreach event. We'll spend millions as the church body 
on outreach programs. And don't get me wrong, I love going into communities and, and, and into the projects and the places to where they have no other way to hear or to get food or to, 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 have, to have inflatables and the kids have a good time. And, and to do, but what's the purpose of it just to say, oh, we at City Light do an incredible outreach program, but are there anybody getting saved? Is anybody getting the Word of God in there? Because it happens when a friend or a relative or coworker is sharing the gospel, not the outreach program. It's a way to get their attention, but you are the source. It's not a pastor or even a pastoral staff member. It was a friend, relative, or coworker. And after extensive research, George Bonner concluded, a majority of salvation decisions come in direct response to an invitation given by a family member or friend. We're missing it. Personal relationships and one-on-one conversations remain the number one bridge to faith in Christ relationship, not religion. I was getting pumped up this morning talking to Ashley. We were talking about the Boys and Girls Club, and she was saying, giving story after story after story of, of, of how relationship changed an entire situation. If she goes into what I call her ministry area, it's not just her job. Wherever you are is your ministry area. It's where you're supposed to be reaching people wherever you are. You can say, well, my boss don't let me talk about Jesus. You have ways to reach people, and even your family members and friends, you have ways. That is her ministry area where God has placed her and you where you are. If she continues to do that, people are being changed because she's having relationship with people relationship, Jesus, read about Jesus in every instance going through. He, ha- he sat down and he got to know people. He, he made relationship with them so that they would be receptive to the word of God, to be receptive to who he is, receptive to the gospel, which is hope. We need to understand the power of relationship is not religion. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Christ followers, we feel like we have it all in us and we keep it to us. And we want people to say, you know what, if you'll come to church, you'll hear about Jesus. If, if you'll put your children in our kids' program, then they'll learn about Jesus. What about you taking a few moments and just getting to know them, where they are, who they are, what they're going through, and say, can I pray with you? Can I tell you about the hope that is in Jesus? That's who's going to make the decision that come to know Christ, not when they come just to hear a pastor speak, which is great, but you are the ministers. It's our responsibility to love others because who's going to do it? We have world systems out there trying to love others. They don't even know what they're doing. They're trying to help people. The Boys and Girls Club, though they were founded on the Word of God, have to be restricted in what they do. They can't preach Jesus every day because they just they cannot do it. It's a secular place. The secular businesses are trying to help others when the church should be in the forefront should be leading in the way, should be breaking down all these walls that are out there right now. But we stay safe and secluded within our walls. And I'm not preaching to you, to me. I've been in here my whole life. I'm telling you, Jesus is looking at us. He's saying, you first. It starts with you. And I love this from the article. It says, the greatest influence we can have is to simply love the people around us. It should be a natural outflow of our love for God that we would love people enough to share the news of Christ's great love for them. Because we know what Jesus did for us, it ought to be automatic that we share the love with others. Because he loved us. It's our responsibility, church. It's not the world's responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility. It's not even our school system's responsibility. It is our responsibility to love others. Jesus said the only way they're going to know that you love me is the love that you have for one another. Know that you are my disciples 
by the love you have for one another. They got to see it in us first. My goodness, we're divided in our own house about what Jesus is saying. We get so ah, we get so irritated and we get so offended by what we think the word says, and then we won't even talk to somebody just five seats down within our own house. And the world's trying to look for an answer. Who is this Jesus you're talking about? Wait a minute. I don't believe you because you can't even agree on who he is. You can't even agree on what his love is about. Let's don't judge the Pharisees and the Sadducees when we're having the same thing with the New Testament church today. We've got to break down these walls with inside here. It starts in the house of God. Even judgment starts in the house of God, and love starts in the house of God. We've got to show others that we love them. One of the books I read on vacation uh, and intrigued me. Um, it wasn't a Christian book. It wasn't a Christian author. Um, but it just intrigued me, and, and some of you are going to turn your nose up as soon as I mention what it was about. But uh, it, it was a book by David Snow. He's now a speaker, a trainer, and a consultant for businesses all over the world who worked 20 years for, you ready for this? Walt Disney World. Some of you are like, oh, God bless him. I'm like, yeah, that would be a blessing, you know. I, I'm, I'm a Disney fan. Our Pastor Mark, he cannot stand it. I, I, I love Disney. I love their vision. I love what they stand for. I understand people get all caught up. You know, the, the, the very religious people, well, you know, it's all about magic, and everything they do is, is wrong. It shouldn't be that way. All I know is this. I see a lot more happier people at Disney World than I see in the church sometimes. I just, I just love Disney. I, I love what it was meant to be. And, and, and Walt's vision was to make this the happiest place on earth. And he's just about achieved that. And this guy wrote about working there 20 years. Now, he said, listen, you see a great thing when you come here. But it's not all fun. It is fun. But you don't know what happens behind the scene. And, and it's, it's just an interesting book. And, and, and it's, just, it's called a Lessons from a Mouse. And, uh, and, and, and I loved it. But there was this chapter in there that stuck out to me. And I believe can help us even hear responsibility. The chapter was called, Never Say That's Not My Job. Don't even think it. That was the name of the chapter. And so when I'm reading it, I'm like, the whole book, I'm like, man, this relates to the church. The entire book relates to the church. He wasn't even talking about it. And he said the first example in the, in the chapter was about the vice president of operations. And he was addressing an issue in the weekly management staff meeting. And, and he said this. He's, he was walking through the park and noticed one of the backstage gates had been left open. And guests had a clear view backstage. Now, previously in the book, one of the chapters is, is, is never let, and I'm paraphrasing on the name of the chapter, but it's all about keeping the backstage backstage to where they don't see what goes on back there. They got to see what happens on stage. That's what Disney's all about. You know, you have no idea the city that's running up underneath and the trash that's in the back. Disney World, you'll never see trash dumpsters out anywhere. I mean, it's amazing. It never smells bad. There's nothing on the ground. I mean, they keep it that way on purpose. Keep backstage backstage. And so he's walking around this morning, and he, and he notices that, that this gate is open. And he's walking through the park, and he sees that, and, and of course he closed it. So in the meeting he said, but I saw a supervisor, a, a leader, an ambassador, if you will, in the area, and he mentioned that the gate had been left open to him, and he was disappointed that he hadn't seen and taken care of it, the supervisor he was talking to. So I'm a little disturbed that this was open I noticed it and it's, it's, it's in this area that you were in and and you didn't close it he's, he's calling him out in the meeting in the staff meeting it's very, very uncomfortable and, and he said the supervisor then says I did see it but I'm not a supervisor in that area they said you could hear a gasp in the room the entire room because the number one thing that that you don't say 
at Disney. Matter of fact, quote, it says a supreme Disney sin is to say, that's not my job. But yet, we in the church, when it comes to loving others, that's not my job. I did see the homeless person yesterday, but that's not my job. We have an outreach program for that. I, I, I did see them come down and, 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 and pray, and they, they need to talk to somebody, but it's not my job. You know, that's what we pay pastors for. Pastor Michelle can counsel. You know, it's just not my job to help anybody, to really show the love of Jesus. We pass it off. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us. He expects us to give the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, the world, everybody to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through who? Us. Through you and I. It is our responsibility not only to love God, but to love others. You are an ambassador. You are a leader because you have Jesus in your life. It's our responsibility. You don't get to say that's not my job, Jesus. It wasn't his job to put his life on the cross. It wasn't his job to come and suffer for us, but he did it because he loved us. When are we going to reciprocate? When are we going to understand it's our responsibility to love others the same way he loves us? You first. You first. James 4, 17. Listen, this is harsh. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. In Disney World, if you see a piece of trash on the ground and you don't pick it up, it is a Disney sin. For us, when we see somebody in need and we don't do anything about it, it is a sin. It is a sin according to the Scripture. Love God and love others. It's our responsibility. The last thing you would think I spend more time on, because it should be more uplifting, is reward. Reward. Loving God and loving others a reward. And just, this is, isn't going to be long because you can just imagine, just anything you can imagine as reward, just imagine. It's not always about you either. But love God. You get all the benefits when you love God. You get all the benefits of, of the kingdom. You get all the benefits that He have, all the blessings. You get eternity, for goodness sake, when you love God, when you believe in Jesus, when you know who God is. We get eternity with Him. We get victory that we sing about this morning. We get peace. How many understand the value of peace in this time, in this day, with all the issues that's going on? Peace is the ultimate confirmation that God is with us, that when we love God, we get this reward. But then when we love others, we can see salvation. We can see their lives turned around. We we can see families come together. We can see relationship. We can see healing and connection for loving others. The reward is phenomenal. I'm so glad that we have Paul to learn from because he was sent out in the beginning of Saul. To, uh, uh, he was sent out and proud to persecute the way. He was to persecute the Christ followers. But when Jesus got him, when he became a Christ follower, he didn't persecute the church anymore, but he pushed the church. The entire New Testament is pushing the church. We need to be pushed this morning. You think this pandemic was to just silence us and to separate? God was trying to get us ready to push us forward, to make sure we're the ones to go first, that we're the ones to be the loudest voice to know that everybody outside does not have the answer, but we've got the solution. We know who we are in Christ. Either way, the church didn't have it easy, nor was ever meant to have it easy. 
We think as soon as we accept Jesus in our life that everything works out just the way we want it. Read about how the first church, what they went through, every, all the persecution, everything that they, they went through. It was never meant to be easy, but oh, the reward. Oh, the reward that we have. Maybe not even in this life, but you will receive reward when you love God and when you love others. I told Devin last night, I said, just understand this, son. In ministry, what you're about to go to, do not build a youth program. Do not work to please men. But if you would keep this principle, and you can tell it's in me this morning. If you love God, you're going to do the things that God's asking you to do. You're going to follow him. You're going to go after him. And when you love others, Jesus says, that's it. Hang it all up on that. If we will just get that right, we will be able to do what God has put us here to do. To change the world if we love God and love others. I'm closing. I want my man AJ to come back and just just set this for a moment. We need to understand that loving God and loving others is up to us first because think about who he was talking to. It blows my mind that I've missed that my whole life. He was speaking to leaders. And, of course, the church wasn't established at that moment, but he was speaking to those who knew God, who knew Scripture. Those of you this morning have given your life to Jesus. You know who he is. You know the love that he's given. You know the hope of salvation. You know the hope that we have in him. It, it, is, it is not only responsibility, but it is reward. When we reciprocate love to God and love others, we, we get the reward from it. But let me just set the stage for what love does. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. Have you ever been hurt by loving others? Have you ever been hurt by, by pouring out and, and just getting hit in the face? You know, at some point in time, you're going to get hurt. It's no different for the church. You don't think that, that the world wants to slap us. You don't think that they're watching the church more than ever. Even Pastor Mark's been talking a lot about that. The reason that we're taking so much precaution is, of course, for your safety because we love you and your family, but also because the world is just watching. They're waiting for the church to mess up because that's all they want because they know that the enemy knows the power that we have in our voice, the power that we have in Jesus and the authority that we have, and he wants to shut us down completely. He understands this, but let me tell you about love. Love doesn't mean it always will be received. It doesn't change the fact that we love God and love others. Jesus said in Luke 10, 16, if they reject me, they will reject you. But love God, love others. You first. Love doesn't mean it won't be deadly. Think about it. No greater love than this, Jesus said, that someone laid down his life for his friends. What if it comes to that? Love God, love others. You first. Love doesn't mean it will be easy. There's that easy word again. We want it to be easy. We think it's going to be easy to, to love others and, and, and to share the gospel. But love led Jesus to the cross. Take up your cross and follow him, he says. It's not easy. Love doesn't mean it will be peaceful. We just talked about how valuable peace is. Love isn't peaceful for those who share it when we love others. You see, from the crowd, there were cries to crown him while cries to crucify him. It's not going to be peaceful all the time. But here's the deal. Love never fails. Never. People can reject it. They can resist it. They can argue it, but it never fails. Never. At the beginning of this sermon, I said that people are asking, even the church are asking, pleading and even demanding someone, anyone stand up, whether it's the president all the way down, to say and do something about these issues, looking to the government, looking to medicine and science, 
my goodness, will they just come up with a vaccine? Will they come up with a solution? Where are these guys at? What are they doing? Somebody say something. We're just hinging on the news. What are we doing? We're sitting in our living rooms as a power in the authority of Jesus, and we're waiting on somebody else to speak. Somebody say something. Do something. We're looking for words from politicians, for actors, from athletes, entrepreneurs, and even pastors. Make sure you speak on this subject, Pastor. We need to know. We're hinging. We're waiting. We're waiting on a Facebook post to see what you're going to say. And if you don't say anything on social media, oh, you really don't believe the way you should believe. You're against us if you don't speak things. We're waiting and hinging on the words of people. Let me, let me give you something I found this past week. I love this quote from Senator Tim Scott. He said, Now as a born-again believer, I'm driven by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I don't look for a black solution or a white solution or a blue solution. I look for a God solution. I'm not looking for any other solution that anybody can offer except what God has. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus gave us the solution to everything. He gave us the solution. Again, it's not always going to be received by everybody, but He gave us. He is the solution. He gave us the solution to racism. Love God and love others you first he gave us a solution to social injustice love God and love others church you first he gave us a solution to a healthy church body love God love others you first today right here right now or at home online you 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 are asking God for some first you, you need some things you you're pleading for God to speak to move to bless Right now you have real needs and issues and we're concerns. I'm not belittling one thing that's happening in our society right now. I'm not. I'm telling you that we have the solution. It doesn't mean it's going to be any easier when we walk out these doors. We have the solution. Jesus gave it to us. Love God and love others and see where it takes you. If not, sit at home and continue to depend on other people. Continue to depend on world systems and see where that takes you. But love God and love others. I'm not diminishing the things that are happening. Trust me, we're all in this together. This you first. And you may be saying, God, I need to feel your peace. You know what he's saying? You first. Worship me. I'll give you peace. You, you could be saying, God, I, I want that job that's better for me and my family. Hear this. You first. Trust me. It happens to us. God, I, I want freedom from addiction. You first surrender to me. God, I want to see the works of ministry active in my life. You know what he's saying? You first follow me. Follow me. I'll put you in situations and put people in your path that you, you, will, you look around and say, how in the world did I get here? I'm ministering every day of my life. Follow me. And you may be here today. You say, God, I need you to meet me today. I need you to meet me and speak to me and show me something and wrap your arms around me. I need you to meet me today. You know what God's saying? You first. Step to me. That's all you got to do. Will you stand with me this morning? I know it's twofold, and I know that I'm making a, a different reference to you first, but what if... God is just waiting on us to speak the first word, to, to make the first step, because he's already made all the provisions.
Don't you understand? You're not doing anything that God hasn't already done and provided for us. He's given us everything. He's given us son. He's given us all that we need. Everything that we need today is in Jesus, whom God has loved us first and gave to us first. And today he's saying, you, you, you are asking for all these things. I just want a little bit of love. I just want a little bit of reciprocation from you. I just want a little bit of acknowledgement from you, Jesus. Imagine that you today, that Jesus was standing here, and you say, Jesus, what do we do? How do we do this? What are we supposed to do when we leave these walls? And Jesus today is speaking the same thing. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Love others. And I'll do things in your life that you never could imagine. And it may not be easy, and it may just seem like it's, it's going darker and harder for you, but oh, the reward when you get to heaven. You think Paul had it easy when he turned his life over to Jesus, and he began to go talk to the ones that he persecuted? You think it was easy for him? I couldn't imagine being him. How do you even walk up on any, any kind of an arena or stage or, or even in a room and lift up your head? But he was so confident in who Jesus was. Where's our confidence? Where's our love? Where's our excitement of what Jesus did in our life? I can tell you this. I've been forgiven over and over and over and over and over. And my God has loved me every single day. And he continues to reach his arms out to me. I've got to be the one first to go out and say, God loves you, Pastor Romeo. He he loves you, Ashton. He loves you, Alora. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, He loves you. I gotta be first. I gotta be because He first loved me. He gave Jesus for me. I gotta be first. I want that opportunity. He's not expecting you to be perfect. His Son was perfect. Jesus was the perfection that we needed to redeem us, to get us back to Him. But God today is saying, You first. He will use you no matter your education or lack thereof. So many times I speak negative over my life and I don't even realize it. I was talking to my brother-in-law last night and, and, and I was saying some things that I really would love to, to be able to do and I said, you know, I'm 45 and I feel like if, if I ever just changed anything as far as ministry concerned that I'm starting over. I don't have any experiences. I have no education, no college education. I, I don't know what I do. And I got to thinking, 16 years, I've been on staff, and I've never known what I'm doing. And, and I'm still here. God is still using. Because all he needs is somebody to be willing. Somebody to love him. And then to love others. That's all I knew how to do. He'll use you. I don't care what your status is. I don't care what your financial status is, where you come from, how long you've been in church, how little you've been in the church. It does not matter your age, your background. It doesn't matter. God wants to use us, the church. He has given us the solution to all the issues. Will they be solved immediately? No. You know, Jesus came in a time of chaos. You want to talk about a society in chaos, go back and study how, how it was when Jesus came here. He was in the middle of chaos. He had to watch himself everywhere he went, not because he was afraid, but because he had to, he had to be wise. He had to, he had to know how to minister to wherever he was so that he wouldn't just be locked up, but he wouldn't be, be, be taken away immediately. There was chaos. There's chaos outside these walls. But we don't have to live inside these walls to be protected. Jesus is with us every step of the way. The Holy Spirit inside of us guides us, gives us the boldness that we need, the, the courage that we need to face a society no matter where they are. Our dependence is not upon a president. It's not upon a government. 
It's not upon groups out there and, 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 and organizations that are very good organizations. We, the church, have the solution. Jesus spoke it so many years ago and so easy, so simply. It's not easy, but it's simple. Love God and love others. I challenge you today. I'm challenging myself, no matter what you do, wherever you speak, if, if social media is your platform, be careful. Watch what you say because the world's watching. Make sure that you don't go off of your opinion or your interpretation. Make sure that it is the Word of God. Let people, let the Spirit of God deal with people to interpret it the way He wants it to be seen. You see, we mess things up. Again, go back to over 3,000 denominations. We should be one church strong in LaGrange. We should be one church strong in Griffin. We should be one church strong in this state. But we allow ourselves to become divided over simple things. Why can't we just get back to loving God, who, who is a God who loved us so much he gave his son, to die for us that we could have everlasting life if we believe in him. Why can't we get back to that and then loving others to tell them the same news? You all are preachers. You all are evangelists because we have this inside of us. Today, if you don't know Jesus, if you say, I, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, Damon. I, I don't know what it means to surrender my life. Here's the deal. We as humans have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all were born into sin, but God loved us so much that he gave this Jesus. He gave his only son to die for us so that we did not have to be lost anymore. You say, I'm not lost from anything. Yes, you are. You're lost from the presence of God if you have not received Jesus as the Savior of your soul. Today, you can just simply say, God, I believe in you. I believe in what you have done. And Jesus, I believe in what your sacrifice meant. I believe that you were raised on the third day. I believe that you are king of kings today. And I give my life to you. It's as simple as that. We all have access to God through Jesus. And this morning, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. And those of you that are watching online, I want to pray over you. I want us to pray together because we all need to make some steps. You may be saying, I need you, God. I need you to bless me. I need you to speak to me. And today, would you just hear the simple words, you first. Open up your mouth when you don't feel like it. Worship me when it doesn't feel good, when you don't have any music at home, when you don't have an AJ playing like you're a praise team here. Worship me and watch me move. Watch me bless you. Watch me give you peace. Will you just worship me? You've been seeking for that better job. And God's saying, trust me, you first. This morning I want to pray over you because the enemy's trying to torment us. He's trying to tear us down, keep us away from the house of God when we are reopened. He's going to try to keep us in a habit of not getting around other people. You know what? This has been kind of nice. I don't have to be around people all the time. I'm just going to social distance the rest of my life. That's not what Jesus ever intended for us. He wants us to make relationships. Ashlyn, keep on making relationships with those boys and those girls through your leadership there and make sure that they know who God is. Wherever you are on your job, wherever you are with your family, make sure they know who God is through your life. I'm, I'm just stirred this morning because I know I've had the solution, and I stay silent too much. I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing because I am a Christian. I, I, I am a leader. I'm a pastor. So, gosh, this issue is so bad. You know, I, I don't want to speak on it. But if I lead people to the Word, they've got to deal with it. If I lead people in the right motive because I love you, I want you to know who God is, that He loves you. 
God will take care of the rest. Don't you know that he can take care of anything out there? He can take care of anyone. He can take care of any idea. He can, t- can take care of all of it. He just wants us to be first and lead this charge. Don't depend on even great men like, like Tim Scott, who is a Christian senator, who, who's not ashamed to spread the word. And he's, he's simply preaching to us today as well that I'm looking for a God solution. we got to meet all the time and talk about all these issues. And they want to talk about a black issue and a white issue and all these other color issues and all these things going on. But I'm looking for a God solution. I'm looking for the right solution. And I want to be able to use my platform to give that solution. You have a platform where you are. May we surrender to him today and take the first step. Father, we love you today. God, I know that, that we are in, in, in crazy times, and we have been for months now. But, oh, God, nothing takes you by surprise. You have known every step of the way where we are, who we are, what we're doing, where we're going. I pray today, God, over your church. I didn't come to, to beat up. I, I come to push. I come to push us, God, to be first. Jesus, you gave us a solution for a world that you that you died for. And that's for us as the leaders, that's for us as the church to love God with all our heart, to put you first, God, above all things, and then to love others, to love our neighbor as ourselves. I pray, God, that that would just resonate and ring loud in our spirit this week. Right now, Father, there are those who are hurting. There are, no, there are those who need healing. I pray, oh God, that they would surrender to you. I pray, God, that they would trust you. I pray, God, for those that, that are looking for a job, that they need a job, first of all, because where they were working, it, it doesn't even offer them a position anymore. I pray, God, that you would open up a door that only you can, but, God, that their trust would be in you today, that right now as I'm praying, Lord, that their faith is beginning to rise, and they're going to trust you. They're going to stop trying to do everything on their own, but they trust you, God, and we're going to praise you and worship you, and you're going to bring peace if we just take that first step. Oh, God, I pray for every single person that has anxiety right now, God, that we just cast it upon your feet, Jesus, that we trust you, that you would bring that peace and that comfort, Holy Spirit, that you always are. I speak over your body today, oh God, that we would not only receive your joy and receive your hope today, but that we would receive boldness and arise today and know that there's nothing outside of these walls. There's nothing in this world that can take us down. But, oh God, we trust you. We look to you where our help comes from. Start with us, oh God. Holy Spirit, start with us as the church that we would love one another first. Break down any walls that have been built up. No matter what it is, oh God, break down religious walls. Break them down, God. Break down pride walls within the house of God. We are here for one another. We are not a certain group, a political group, but we are of the kingdom, oh God. Help us to realize that we're here for one another. God, as we love you and as we love one another, help us to go and love the world as you love the world. Oh, God, to see a difference everywhere we go, that people are going to look, politicians are going to look and say, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? What's the solution? And they can look to the church as a solution. Help us, oh, God, to rise today and to be the church that you called us to be. Start with me, God. Help me. Help me, oh, God, to continue to keep you first and to love others. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that even though that, that sometimes it, it, it hurts and sometimes it, it is it's so challenging that God is uplifting to know the truth. In 
Jesus, you see in us who we can be, who you've created us to be, and what we can do with your authority. God, we thank you for that. We thank you today for every healing. We thank you for every salvation. We thank you for deliverance today. I thank you right now that people are surrendering their life to you, that addictions are being surrendered to you, God. They're taking the first step and saying, I can't take this. I give it to you, Jesus. We surrender to you. Thank you, God, for the you first mentality today. Lord, we surrender, we love you, and we honor you, and we thank you for what you're about to do through the church worldwide, oh God. May we get on board and be a part like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's Sunday podcast. If you would like to keep up with the latest podcast, please subscribe to the Pastor Mark and Michelle Davenport podcast in Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. If you'd like more information about City Light Church, please visit citylightchurch.net. Or if you'd like more information about Griffin Centerpoint Church, please visit gcpcog.com.